about to hear is part of the Podgods Network. If you have a problem with anything you hear, please write it in an email and go fuck yourself. Enjoy the show. Hello there, podcast listeners. I am Jason, the Angry Ginger. And I am Jeremy, that McBlizzard. And we do a podcast called Seven Days a Geek. Here's a few things we talk about. Movies, TV, comic books, cars, bitcoins, you name it. Yes. We talk about it. We like to say we're a comedy podcast. Uh, one of the new things that we've done recently is we did a radio play. We did. One of those uh, old-timey shit that your grandpa used to listen to, only this time we do it better with swear words. Gonna drop a clip right the fuck here. Right here. So, the plan was still together. No car, of course, but we could almost see the airport from where we were. We were gonna make it. It'd be on foot. But we had to take care of some business first. Chez, Chez, come on and shake that thing. We've got to get the hell out of here. Hang on! Oh, oh it's like fish hooks. Oh. Hang on! Jesus Christ! Dilly Dan! Does everyone in this country pee this long? Oh my God! That's a long pass, dude. Yeah, nearly there. Stop looking or I won't get to go. Oh. Wow. I'm jealous. Literally, like right now, in the midst of this, I'm jealous. Now I have to pee. Jesus oh. Christ. You're going to have to hold it, dude. We're already waiting for him. Oh, my God. It's like broken plastic farm animals. Back. What'd you think? I loved it. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and we're also part of the Pod Gods Network. Or 7daysageek.libson.com. Just in case you're like, what was the name of that podcast again? 7 Days a Geek. Listen to us. Write it down. Ask Suri to set up a reminder. Get a fucking tattoo. Also, if you're thinking about starting your own podcast or know anyone who's interested in it, we're doing a new segment called Podcast 101, where you can learn everything there is to learn about podcasting. Starting in February... Listen to 7 Days a Geek twice a week. And welcome to another episode of Chasing Greedo. That's right. Uh, this is our eighth shot, technically speaking. Um, this week is not really a new episode, kind of. It's uh, Since I'm still uh, setting my stuff back up for podcasting. Um, so I'm throwing up an oldie but goodie uh, episode of uh, the Evil Teddy Bear podcast where me and Chris actually sit down for the first time. That's right. This is kind of the blueprint for chasing Greedo. Um, and uh, actually for this one, you'll get to hear him talk a little bit about Babylon Begins and, you know, film and where he's from, all that, basically. Um, and then at the... Uh, at the beginning of this, you'll get to hear the trailer for Get Greedo, the film he's currently working on. Then we'll go into the interview. And at the end of this, you'll be able to hear a, uh, a web series, uh, not a web series, but a, uh, a kind of a spin-off to the web series that he posted on iTunes um, called Babylon Beyond, which is just the intro. Uh, it's the intro for Babylon Beyond, basically, like episode kind of one a bit. Um, uh, no clue what's going to happen with that one, but hey, still, it's, it's his thing. We'll let him do whatever the fuck he wants. So, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy the episode. And stay tuned. We'll have some more Chasing Greedo for you guys. Keep on chasing. Why do you look so surprised for? 
Fat Bastard does this all the time. He thinks just because he don't speak enough and he'll have some huge impact when he does open his fucking Jesus mouth. Jesus Christ, why don't you shut up? Always yap, 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 and give me a fucking headache. Welcome to the Evil Teddy Bear Podcast. This is Corey, and today we have a guest, a guest of all guests. Um, actually, technically, our first international guest. We're breaking the lines, people. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Hi, my name's uh, Christopher Downey. Um, probably best known for making the first podcast-related fan film, which was Babylon Begins. Based on, of course, uh, Hollywood Babylon. Yes, Hollywood Babylon, another great podcast that we all listen to. Now, we actually uh, recorded yesterday, but... Um, what am I saying? I have a lot of reference. Can you hear all that? Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um... We recorded yesterday, and it was a good it was a good recording session. Believe me, it was awesome. But our uh, my uh, freaking recorder decided that it needed to die on us for some reason. So I have no. Hopefully, it doesn't do that this time. If it does, then I'm gonna have to find a better recorder. Um. So why don't we start off with I guess uh beginning where did the idea for babylon begin come from come from uh, oh dear um well everybody was sending in animations that they've done to the audio for the podcast for hollywood babylon um, and, and images and photoshopped images and drawings and things like that now like i can do uh, some of that stuff but it's not really my, my strong point my strong point some would argue it's probably not my strong point is, is filmmaking so I thought well I'll come up with a simple idea I put up a cast and call online uh, so I think it's starnow.com and I thought well I'll just sit on that and see how many people apply 
like playing Kevin and Ralph. Um, and then the next day, reality kicked in, and I thought, this that's ridiculous. I mean, that is the dumbest idea you've ever had. Give up on that and you know focus on something else. So I did for about two or three weeks, and then the the wonderfully beautiful Thomas Towner, I think his name is, um, from from London, who I've, I've never spoken to, I've never met. But he's the man responsible for kicking this into gear. He uh, emailed Ralph directly. Ralph spoke about our cast and call and line, um, and he uh, he spoke about it during the the, the episode of Hollywood Babylon, um, and I remember hearing it. And thinking, oh wow, look at that small world. <laughs> there are other people in Edinburgh um, who want to make a Hollywood Babylon film, and then obviously kicked in. Yeah, that, they're talking about me, so now I have to do it. Um, and uh, you know, as of the weeks progressed, they, they continue to talk about it and say really nice things about um, about you know the posters that we're putting out and this and that and the trailer and whatever. Um, and that really kept me going. It kept us all going. In fact, the first day of principal photography, um, everybody was psyched up by Kevin and Ralph themselves because we sat down, it was a Monday, so Hollywood Babylon was posted online at smodcast.com and they mentioned us all by name. Um, we got a great response from the audience when they showed a picture of our version of Ralph played by Jack Fox. Um, they said, yeah, it's an all bad likeness, it's, it's an okay likeness, and we've done, obviously, done our homework with regards to the costume and the hair. And then when they threw up a, a still of Mark Frost as Kevin, the real Kevin burst out a laughing, but it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. And he commented on how he, he, uh, he dreams of being that thin. Uh, so yeah, that, that really that really kept us going, and then obviously they appeared in it. As in small cameos, as did, uh, as did uh, James Franco Jr., uh, DJ James, and um, Kelly Bear, the voice of Sir, did a lot of voice work, as did Catherine Reitman. Um, and yeah, uh, dreams come true the world over. I've, I have officially made a film. I have officially made a film with, with Kevin Smith. It's uh, mind blowing. Yeah, it's definitely mind blowing. It's definitely. One of my, it's definitely one of those things that's kind of on my list of uh, things I would love to uh, do. I would not really like to make a film with Kevin Smith, but I rather, I rather get him to sit down and just talk, just, you know, yeah, yeah. shit, basically, you know. Yeah. Um. So, can you hear me? Okay. Oh, I can hear you better. Okay. Because I was over here messing with the controls a little bit here. Um. Okay. Okay. So. Where exactly did you, when exactly did you actually start getting into film? What, like, what kick, what, what was the kickstart for you, basically? Um, um, uh, well, I suppose uh, as a kid, um, I, I was always into film. I gravitated towards that, and I would often be found playing, you know, out in the street, you know, on my bike, um, playing football or soccer, um, um, just like any other kid. But I really did like, you know, coming home and watching TV, and watching films, and it, it, all, all the sort of adults in my, my family um, always claimed that it was worrying that I had so many films. I had like 24 tapes, you know, 24 VHS cassette tapes. Um, it wasn't a massive collection, but according to them, it was. So um, that, that was my, my sort of first taste, and then when I was about 13, I decided it would be a good idea, I don't know why, to remake Scream with all my friends, with this Tommy black and white camera that you plugged into the back of your VHS, um, and recorded you know, through the camera, through the, the SCART cable, directly right into the, the VHS uh, player, um, and the camera was black and white, 
uh, onboard sound was terrible and we didn't know what a camera angle was we just basically did over the shoulder shots and the camera would follow the character there was no real cutting either you'd have to pause the machine um, and that, that would mean that if you were filming in the other room you'd have to have some guy you know queued up um, to tell another guy who was queued up to tell another guy who was queued up to tell the guy who was standing in the other room to press pause so it's a bit of a pain in the ass uh, we eventually upgraded to you know the, the color um, because high end camera um, and then we were able to, to edit things with the two-way machine and really pixelated titles and things like that um, and then obviously when we got older we got a computer and you know things are a lot easier now yeah things are way easier now a lot of, it, basically, you could base you can make your own little movie and cut it on like Final Cut on your Mac. You have one or something, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. You can do it in your uh, iPhone. Now. It's incredible. It's weird. I don't. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like change. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It just goes. Yeah, I guess. You know. Um. So how did uh how did you find your two leads? Well, um, I've, I've known Mark, um, who plays Kevin, for a while. Um, he's been he's been quite a close friend, he, a collaborator. He's pretty much in anything I do, um, and he does some of the most like outlandish things for the film. And he does it. But he says he does it because he's my friend. He's, it's not because he's got you know he actively pursues acting gigs or anything like that. He just does it because he's my friend, and we always have a good a good time. And he, you know he's he's a good performer, so I, hence why I keep using him. And you know he's willing to shave his head and you know run through a field dripping wet naked for me. So I mean you, you can't you can't knock a, a performer like that. So um, I, I decided you know the obvious choice. I don't know why I didn't see it all along. Was 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 Mark Kevin? Because um, he can push out a beard in about four minutes, so we got him to grow the beard and grow his hair. But then I didn't know it would take about six months for us actually to get into production. So he grew it really long to the point where his beard looked like Brian Johnson's beard from Tell Him Steve Dave and Comic Book Men. And that's when I stumbled upon the idea. Was like, eventually we have to do a Tell Him Steve Dave uh, fan uh, fan film, and you have to play Brian. So uh, that's how I found him. And I was working at a cinema, a cinema chain uh, for about a year and this new star came along called Jack, Jack Fox and we seemed to have a lot of common, we were always talking, getting in trouble for talking instead of actually doing work um, and he was studying um, film and TV production at Napier University so you know we, we obviously had similar background because I, I did the first two years of a degree in, in that industry prior to doing um, animation, art and film as I'm doing just now so um, I just decided one day to sort of pluck up the courage to ask him if he wanted to do it and he said yeah and he you know, did a wee bit of research looked up Ralph tried to do a bit of a sort of kind of Ralph voice he just wanted to do confidence that's what his voice was all about so he thinks that that's what Ralph is all about he's very confident and you know flamboyant um, in, 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 in the, the, the way he speaks and in, in the way that he actually delivers life it's quite articulate so um, yeah that's basically how we got the leads and wow that's a long answer I do apologise <laughs> I said last time long answers good content believe me um, so you have definitely opened a can of worms kind of a little bit there so now you've got some other projects that you're definitely working on too right you have a uh, you, you want to announce those right now or you want to wait a little bit later um, no I'm, I'm quite happy to, to announce a few um, I think 
got um, got some. I'll go, I'll go directly from the from the, uh, the the future archive, I guess you can call it. Um, just give me two seconds here. Uh, okay. Um, Okay, so we got in the works. Right now we're working on our newest project, which is based on Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, which is another podcast with uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. But they basically go over Jason Mewes' drug past and his past conquests with women. But it's, it's mainly an intervention podcast to sort of keep him accountable. So he always has to make sure he's sober. Um, otherwise, if he doesn't, then he's going to be ending up, you know, high while doing the show. So it's a good way to keep him off drugs. Um, I mean, he does does well in, uh, by himself, but this is just a sort of a way for keeping him accountable. Or um, and that also leads into the stories of of, of how he you know, used drugs and how he's trying to get off drugs and this and the next thing. And he told this story. He's told it a couple of times, um, and and that, that is basically what we're basing the film. And the film is called Get Greedo. It's uh, moves and muse in Get Greedo. <laughs> Obviously, Muse uh, is, is Jason's last name, and Moves is the nickname Jason gave to Kevin because, according to, according to Kevin, back in the day before Jason was having sex, Kevin was the one that had all the moves with women. Ironically enough, now Jason slept with you know, God knows, thousand women or something like that. Uh, the Walt Chamberlain of film. Anyway, so that the story is basically about Kevin and, and, and Jason trying to track down this chase figure. Uh, during sort of 1997 time when um, when Star Wars was re-released, and it's the Greedo doll because it's rare. You get one per cage. You get a big load of hands. You get a big load of chewies. Big load of looks. But you only get one Greedo. So Walt, who runs the secret stash, uh, basically mentioned that you know it was a rare figure and they'd be able to you know flip it for a profit. So that was their task for the day. And obviously Kevin went went along with it because he wanted to make sure that he was going to get make it through that day. And that was the project for it. So that's basically what the film is about. Obviously, we take a bit, of, you know, we take some liberties in order to, to cap off the end and give it an, give it an end. And plus, there's some funny sort of set pieces in there. There's one main set piece that reoccurs, and it just introduces a new sort of character. It's almost like an alternate side of Jason. I'll not say, I'll not say too much because I'd quite like it to be a bit of a surprise. But it was something that just came to me that I thought was quite funny and actually ends up. Sort of Jason's monologue inside his head, um, and it's, it's kind of good to work from something that actually happened. So, um, so that's our main project. We're just about to go into production. We're, um, I think, a couple of days away from rehearsals because we've obviously we'll be filming in various locations. We're actually filming in Forbidden Planet. What? Heard a comic book store. Um, we're filming the Forbidden Planet, and that is going to stand as Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash. We've got a set for the stock room set up, so it starts in Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash, and then we go into the set. It gives us more liberty to, to actually to, to mess around and sort of augment scenes on the spot. We don't have to worry about getting our asses out of there you know, for closing time or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's our immediate next project. Um, after that, we've got. Um, We've got the Smuppets, first episode of the Smuppets, um, called Gone Bananas. Is it not? Say that again? That one I'm definitely excited for. I remember you talking uh, about that uh, a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, they're, they're animals in the jungle. 
but they are the good characteristics of you know Kevin, Muse, Scott. We really need to get Scott in there because him and Kevin are of course the godfathers of Smodcast. Um, so we need to do something with Scott. Uh, Kevin is a bear, obviously, and he's he's, he's KP Bear, Kevin Patrick Bear. Um, Muse is Monkey Muse, um, and uh, Mosier will be Smotter. Because because in the the, the gay community um, he would be considered an otter, yeah. Um, so call him Smotter. <laughs> um, so we've got that coming up in the first episode. Like I said, it's called Gone Bananas. Then we have Broad Street Mafia, which is the Tell Him Steve Dave fan film in which we essentially blend comic book men with the Sopranos. Um, then after that we've got the project that I'm really looking forward to but we will need financial help either through Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something like that so we'll obviously need you know fan fan aid with that um, and that'll be Babylon Returns which will see the return of Sir Dare and the Red Bear on a massive scale this will be my Dark Knight Rises there's so much shit that's going to happen in this that we really can't do it without fan support and the, the promotion of, of good old Kevin and then Ralph done you know fantastic job helping us for free um, then we've got Bunking with Ben which is another story from Jay and Silent Bob Get Old in which <laughs> poor Ben Affleck has to share a room in rehab with Jason Muse so that should be good fun that's also a true story um, then eventually we'll have a comic book series which we're getting publishing from Toronto Comics and it's called The Horrors of Babylon and it's three comic book stories showing the origins of eight ball fire and the man handler um, and then eventually we will be doing Babylon Forever the final part of the trilogy um, in which you know the kibosh on the characters and, and that's essentially the end for Sir Dare and the Red Bear um, I think I've covered everything I think, I think uh, probably way too much but yeah and, um, and in, um, in February for Valentine's Day we have a special Valentine's Day movie that is based on Plus One so we get to, to tackle uh, good old Jen, Jenny Swalbuck, the Schwaldoll, as Kevin calls her. Um, yeah, so that's that's, and we've got a, a feature planned that sort of relates to, um, to for the love of Smod and Smodcast now, but not not quite. But I'll, I'll not say too much about that because that's, that's, that's a while away. Anyway, I've talked for enough enough time. You uh, you let them hear your lovely voice, sir. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a hell of a lot. You got basically that's a that's a full fucking book, dude. Hmm. Full book. Um, see, I'm just, uh, so basically, uh, I'm trying to think what else to ask because I mean, I pretty much, I, I, it's kind of hard to kind of go back and re-ask the questions again and have the same kind of conversation. Yeah, well, just just slide like, floor. I mean, just just ask me whatever you whatever you fancy. Um, okay, so where did the okay? How did you choose come up with the uh, the, the villains themselves? I know they're going to have their own comic book and stuff like that, but like, where did Eight Ball come from? Where did uh, basically? I mean, I can kind of tell. I can kind of tell what the length the the. Uh, the, uh, you nearly said it, didn't you? You nearly said the name there. I know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, it's probably best since you, since you've watched it from you know the point of view. Watched it about about good eight times by now. <laughs> oh, that's good. Thanks very much. You, you see, that's the, that's the views going up right there. 
Um, we're actually making money off Babylon Begins. I think we made about $100 just from views on, on, on YouTube. Um, okay, well, how about I, I, I bounce it back to you and I ask you who you think they are. Who do you think the manhandler is? Um, it's kind of right in the name. <laughs> Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ralph Chandler, of course. Everybody yeah. who listens to uh, Hollywood Babylon knows that Ralph has a very dislike for uh, Chelsea Handler, basically calling her a was it talentless cunt? Talentless cunt, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is um, awkward for me because I, I I don't have a problem with her. I mean, I've seen her. She pops up in films all the time, and I think she can. Act, sorry, Ralph. I mean, I know he's not listening, but um, I've, I've not got a problem with her. Um, just in the same way that Kevin doesn't have a problem with her. In fact, you'll notice that when they're fighting in episode two, Talentless Cunts of uh, of Babylon Begins, Kevin doesn't seem too displeased with, with the manhandler's appearance. Um, and that's that's on purpose, because like, Kevin has no distaste for her, because he's been on a show, he quite likes her. Um, okay, what about Firebush? Who do you think Firebush is? We all know who Firebush is. Uh, you, you don't, I don't even have to say it. No. Yeah, <laughs> Firebush is, is obvious, yeah. Um, Lindsay Lohan. Um, <laughs> Weird, I used to have like the biggest crush on her a lot like when I was much like grown up basically I was like oh, I wouldn't mind you know hooking up with her or whatever and then you know when she went all crazy and shit I was like um, I'm not sure if I want to deal with her at all yeah. I was the same I thought she was smoking hot when she had a fuller figure and t- took care of herself now she just looks really drained yeah she does although I heard uh, she's doing that she did that Liz Taylor yeah, the TV movie. Yeah, so supposedly that's supposed to be pretty good or whatever. I mean, she's a good actress, like you know. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just, she's got to get her shit together a lot. Yeah. You know? Um. Okay. Lastly, who do you think Eight Ball is? Um, if not Charlie Sheen, then uh, Hollywood incarnated, basically. <laughs> no, nah, he's Charlie Sheen. Yeah. So he's absolutely, he, Charlie Sheen. I mean, after, he does say. I think he says lions for fools. Um, he mentions Adonis, uh, body of Adonis, and tiger blood, which is all copyrighted according to according to the world, um, according to, 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 to Charlie Sheen himself. He's copyrighted these, these phrases, but fuck it, I'll say it anyway. I'm lampooning him. It's fine. You can lampoon someone and, and just parody things. Um, they do have in world real aliases. Like, for instance, Abel's real name is Carl Creed. Carl Creed? Oh, so it's like a... Uh, he definitely went the comic book route for that. Yeah, he... he they, they, they are version... They, they're based... They're more based on now that I'm giving them real human sort of alter egos. They are based on, on, on you know, Charlie Sheen, Lindsay Lohan, and, and Chelsea Handler, but in the reality of the, of the films and the comic books, I've decided to actually give them proper... Uh, secret identities. So you see, yeah, Carl Creed, um, Firebushes, Laura Lomax, and Callista, Callista Cooper, or something like that, is his manhandler. Uh, these guys sound like they'd be in a Doctor Horrible's uh, sing along blog a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like to to do way too much work for something you'll never here or see after all you, you, you've not heard their real names they're very briefly mentioned by name so um, it's hard, kind of hard to escape the fact that Evil's called Evil being that his weapon of choice is an Evil he has an Evil in his head on his mask 
Um, so yeah, uh, that's basically where the, the, the I just picked because instead of doing the podcast in the world of, of, of Babylon Begins, they, they physically fight Hollywood. So I thought, well, who are the, the sort of three people that they despise the most? And a lot of them were women, actually. I thought, well, we can't have we can't have them fight Rebecca Black, Firebush and Manhandler. So I thought, one of the only men they hate apart from Dan Cook um, is, is obviously Charlie Sheen. They mention him a lot. So obviously the obvious... Charlie Sheen and I can kind of do a sort of Charlie Sheen voice so I thought fuck it I'll do it I'll, I'll play Charlie Sheen ball. Oh, nice so where did the idea for the, each of those costumes come from? Um, well 8, eight, eight Ball's costume he essentially just wears the, the Charlie Harper shirt from Two and a, and a Half Men so I've literally got the sort of most notorious shirt he wears in that, that shitty show. Uh, the mask for it was, it was just an obvious choice to put him in a domino mask. So we had this kind of big Robin mask from Batman Forever kind of kind of thing. Um, I just made my hair all stick up on end and I dyed it black. Um, aside from that, I think that's pretty much all he wears. He just wears black and white. Firebush has recently escaped from prison. When you read the comic book, when she enters Babylon Begins, she's escaped from prison and she has stolen a disguise from a stripper having a cigarette break. That's why she's got that mask on. Yeah. Um, she's just trying to jump down. She ends up be, you know, becoming the first victim to the Knights of Babylon. So she's wearing a jumpsuit because she's escaped from prison. This is an obvious choice. Um, and Manhandler's costume... I was really, I wasn't pleased with 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 how that looked, mainly because it was probably the only costume that I didn't think about. I really wanted to put her in, you know, spandex, a full spandex outfit. Now she was wearing spandex trousers, but you couldn't see them. She had knee-high boots, you couldn't see them, um, and she had a a, a, a a corset, but you couldn't see it. All you saw was her shoulders and her head. So we could have put her in anything. And um, the next time we we see her, she'll obviously be wearing something a bit more exciting. In fact, the first time you see her in Babylon, um, Babylon Returns, she's wearing a sort of Harlequin, tiny little nurse's outfit. Wow. So that'll be, that'll be more interesting to look at. And uh, Katie, who plays her, if she doesn't mind me saying so, has quite a body on her. She's very curvy and, and, and chesty, so she'll look damn good in that, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's basically how the costumes came about for that. Um, I, I can also like talk about the, the, the obvious reference uh, point for the costumes for the knights themselves is, of course, uh, the Green Hornet. They essentially dress just like the Green Hornet they do. Um, uh, obviously, with the, the change of colours, so it's a blue and, and, and red tie, you know, the colours of, uh, of, I think it's a... Yeah, the colours of Smodcast in general. So that's why that was the obvious choice to, to, to reference that. I did want to put a pair of furry red bear ears on Kevin's hat. Well, have it that would have been awesome. But for whatever reason, we didn't end up doing it. We might do it for the next film, for Babylon Return, uh, Returns. Yeah, I'll, I'll just need to see how things go, because it's, it's, it's turned out to be a bit more serious, which I don't want. I don't want to be too serious. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely one of the funniest... Uh, fan film series that I've actually seen so far. Oh, thank you, sir. That's really kind of you to say. You know, because, I mean, best my favorite part, though, because I can kind of relate to being, being a big guy is the, the ending when they're running towards the screen. <laughs> yeah. Out of breath. Like, oh, God. Nah, I, now, seriously, I don't, 
I can run a, I can run a lot, lot, you know, you know, a lot better than that. I can go a little bit further than that, but I can understand the pain of a big man, you know, breathing heavy like that after a run. Yeah. So originally, they just run towards camera and, and then run off to each side. Um, it was Mark, uh, who plays Kevin. He said, "You know, it'd be really funny." And his really sort of mellow voice was like, "You know, it'd be really funny." It's like, "Ah, uh, what's that?" If I like run up to the camera and then like pass out on the floor, can't breathe, and then just roll over on my back, I like show me. So I got him to do it, and in the first take, um, the first take was screwed up because the camera was shaking because I was laughing. It was, it was so so unbelievably funny because he did it, you know, you know, with gusto. He was like, he couldn't breathe. He was like holding his chest and everything like that. And then he topples onto his back. So we were like, you know, pissing ourselves up. And so we had to do a second take. And gladly, the second take was slightly longer, which meant that when we timed it with the music, he fell just as the music kicked in. Um, So it was kind of good that we were able to have a laugh and then we got a better take in the second time around. So yeah, that that was that's a hundred percent Mark. Mark Frost is the one that came up with that really funny idea of falling on the floor. Well, okay, definitely in one of in any of the uh, the films that you're gonna do with uh, him playing Kevin Smith, get him to do the sexy Kevin Smith voice. <laughs> oh, there's oh, there's yeah, there's so many places to go with that. I mean, when we do the Valentine's Day uh, special, the, I'll definitely have him do the sexy Kevin voice. I mean, there's there's going to be a moment. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the next Babylon movie. Um, it'll definitely be in one of the, the two where they'll have a musical number where he sings the Bowie song. When he's, is, is he singing it and, and Kevin's dancing or is it just him? Uh... Oh, they're both. It's going to be essentially like, a, like cut into a, a two-minute music video. So they'll be like walking up to the camera, doing a little bit of a boy dance, and and you know, good dancers behind them. It'll be a proper number. And Kevin, yeah, Kevin will be doing a wee dance, and um, I can't wait to do that. Uh, the only thing is, Jack assures me he can't sing. So I mean, I, I can sing. So and, and I, I could probably, I could probably do a, a very a very voice, um, and then just have him sort of mime along with it. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the only thing that's kind of holding me back from that. But yeah, absolutely. I've got a list of things that that I want to insert into the next next Babylon movie or the next movie in general, just to sort of incorporate characteristics. In fact, it was Mark that also came up with. We were doing a take of him talking about why does he have to be the brunt of all the jokes in Hollywood, and he says what not of his own accord. It was written in the script, and I, I stopped at the end of the take and I says, "Do you know that he says that all the time?" He's like. Of course, man. I, you know, I listened to some of the podcasts. I watched, I watched Evening with Kevin Smith one to three, and I was really taken aback because a lot of the time people don't do research and they don't really need to because the character's made up nine times out of ten. But in this, uh, I was, I was taken back that he put the effort in to sort of throw in nuances and you know little, little sort of nods here and there. Um, and speaking of nods, a lot of people noticed that we had put the Roseanne box set in the background, something that Kevin is a massive fan of. We put the complete collection of Roseanne DVDs in the back. And <laughs> but, um, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, that, that'd be actually be kind of cool to see. Did you ever see that video that I think someone put up? I know they mentioned it on, on Hollywood Babylon, but um, somebody actually put up a video of them dancing, their faces covered up, and I 
pretty pretty sure they're just like in their underwear dancing to the uh, the David Bowie song they did for Hollywood Babylon. I did see that. Yeah, that was on one of the one of the shows they, they posted it on the the individual videos page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that, I have to say that if that borderline Buffalo Billish. Like Buffalo Bill for me there a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> or I guess I guess Kevin would say they were musing. He was musing it basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, what are some of your favorite Kevin Smith films? Um. Well, as you know, sir, <laughs> my joint top. Uh, favorite film is Clerks. Yes. So, um, as I, as I said to you before, I don't have a top three. I have a top one. You know, split between three movies, and it's a Godfather, Back to the Future, and Clerks. So I'd have to say Clerks is is, is a massive favorite. Clerks too, obviously, a fantastic film. I mean, I like them all. Um, it really depends what I'm in the mood for. But there's a movie for every different you know color of the rainbow. I mean, yesterday, just yesterday, I sat down and rediscovered Dogma again. I've watched it for about a year, um, and it's a great movie. I mean, there's there's obvious problems, but um, it's not really in the direction. It's, it's some of the casting. Um, casting choices um, that were shocked upon Kevin that I've recently read about. I'm, I'm, I like Salma Hayek. I don't think she was right for uh, for Serendipity. She doesn't convince me. It's, it's like she's you can see her acting. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 bothers me. And it, she's meant to be the sister of Azriel, but she's you know tanned and Mexican. <laughs> and then you've got Jason Lee who's white as hell um, looks quite Irish in his appearance it just doesn't doesn't glue for me but and I know that wasn't uh, Kevin's decision uh, but yeah there, there's a lot of things about that that, that I love as well but I think Jay and Sam Bob are great in it I, I think Jason's got that had that down to that was the the, the, the purest performance up until that point of of, 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 um, of Jay like the bit where the Golgotha breaks in the door and he, he just looks around and goes who fucking farted <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he looks so dead serious think about Jason's as an actor is you can't tell he's acting it looks like completely 100% no matter what kind of character he's playing and for, in, in by that I think he's a great actor I really do yeah yeah actually he actually uh, I mean it was him Kevin and Scott and I guess a lot of those people who made clerks you know I mean, I guess not really Jeff or Brian O'Halloran or whatever. I mean, I don't really see much of what they do because I think Jeff is retired now from acting. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, Brian O'Halloran, I think he's a working actor, but I think he does like mostly like small stuff, stage stuff or whatever. But yeah. even like going into like Hollywood or, you know, all the like, producing and all that, they all basically kind of grew up, you know, Sing in Hollywood a little bit, like they. Mm-hmm. It's like basically they started off as kids, and they've had to work their way up. Uh, like Jay became a better actor. Like I watched the what was the film I call that Solomon? Um, it's called RSVP. Yeah. I was he put, essentially he was playing himself, kind of. Yeah. You know, you know, drugged up kind of. It's basically like a darker version of Jay. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. I, I, and another thing that, that I was, you know, 
really appreciated and really respected was again watching uh, Dogma. Apart from the obvious two, the performances from Damon and and the Fleck, uh, it's just fun, just so natural and and funny. I mean, obviously they're 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 best friends in that in real life, but their chemistry together is great. And the look in Damon's face when they get off the bus, having just killed Scott Mosier, and he kind of looks like really pleased with himself. They're like a couple, yeah, like a bickering couple that've been together for eternity. Uh, but apart apart from the, those fantastic performances, I always I'm always astounded at how how natural Mosier is, especially as that asshole character on the bus. You think you know, for years I didn't know that that was what Scott Mosier looked like and that he played him or the Tracer or, or anything like that. But yeah, I know he, he doesn't like acting and he doesn't pursue it, but he really should act more. He's, he's damn good. Yeah, he's really good. Like my favorite part, Clerks 2, when he's uh, Brian O'Hollerins opens the door telling uh, Jeff, <laughs> like, leave Bryce alone, Randall. And uh, Scott Mosher has his little, you know, the daughter, you know, daughter, he's essentially playing a dad or whatever. He's like, don't look at his wee wee. And I was like, that was, that was funny. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it's a look at his wee wee. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, another, and, and the guy plays Elias. So, so natural and very strange in a, in, I, I, this sounds wrong to say, in an unusual way. It's not the stereotypical, weird, geeky character. He's, he's got, like, strange things about him that make him odd. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that, that and he was really into Transformers and to Lord of the Rings in that film. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he was like, I think that was actually one of my favorite uh, scenes in that movie too, where they talk about the trilogy. And essentially something that Kevin Smith has already talked about. I think he talked about it on even harder too. That's the thing. I th- I think that obviously Clerks wasn't written at that point. I think that when he came to write that scene, he just looked back on Evening with Kevin Smith too and went, "Oh, put all that shit I said into the movie." I literally think that's what he did. <laughs> so he essentially started writing Clerks too during you know 2004 when he did Evening Evening with Kevin Smith to Evening Harder because obviously he hadn't written it then and he doesn't talk about it in that stand-up show which was weird because when I got that on DVD and uh, imported it from the States at the end of 2006 so I thought they were going to talk about Clerks 2 because Clerks 2 had been out for a couple of months at that point I didn't know it had been filmed a couple of years prior yeah definitely um yeah that was I'm trying to think back. I think he did do that in 2004, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was back. I think he had a little bit longer hair, too. And then that was, like, right when you could start kind of telling he was balding a little bit more, too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, out of the evening list, what are your favorites? Have you have you watched... Not even evening with. Well, he did uh, evening with, and then Too Fat to Fly, and then Burn in Hell. Have you seen the last one that came out that he did? I've seen them all, yeah. Um... I love the first three, mm-hmm. but I gotta say, I, I, anything where he talks, he's a master storyteller. I, I really can't say I've got a favorite. I mean, I love the first three, um, and the first one is is, is amazing. And you know, he tells, it's, it's literally breaking the silence. First time you hear him tell all these big stories, 
Um, so you're not used to it, and you're like, wow, this is crack for my eyes and my ears and my brain. The shit he says, and, and the, the eloquence in which he executes these stories. Fair enough, he throws the word fuck in there, and, you know, he pushes it and shit like that, but, but like, he's, he's, he's a great storyteller and articulate and everything like that, and balances it out with profanity. But, um, yeah, I, I was surprised by Too Fat for 40, in which he answers a single question. Oh, yeah, that was actually pretty... It's like, he answered a single question for that uh, for that show, but I think he went on... Like, if you watch the DVD, he also answers a bunch of, like, other questions and, like, the, yeah. like, the special features or whatever. Actually, well, I, 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 I saw it on, like, I think it was iTunes or something I downloaded it on. <laughs> so that was the only time I'd, I'd seen it, and it wasn't until it came out on DVD. In fact, when they came to Edinburgh last year, I went to see him... Um, and it's supposedly the doors were opening at six, uh, but they didn't get on stage till eight. So I had to sort of faff around for a while. And one of the things I did was I went directly over to the ATM machine, took out a big loan of cash, then went up to the the merchandise table and pretty much bought everything because everything was signed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought I bought two Vapor Bory the DVD because it was signed and you know didn't realise it was an extra hour or two hours of additional questions on it. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think he's ever gonna like? I guess. I mean, I think a few years back then he do like like re-release some of those films on like Blu-ray, like Mallrats. I think. I know he did it for Clerks. Um, I think he did it for Chasing Amy too. But do you think he's gonna do that for any of his other stuff? How do you mean? Like he re-released it, and then he did like I think they added like documentaries and stuff like that onto. Oh right, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I just I think the, the last Blu-ray I got was Chasing Amy, and there's a making of documentary on that, and that's shock a block. And there's an interview with with Joey Lauren Adams, and that that's that's packed full of features. They just didn't make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think the 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 every time they bring out probably re-release it for the Blu-ray. The content is, is always fantastic. Um, I mean, when you ever read those like Blu-ray magazines, and they always say, you know, the movie gets five star, but the content, you know, additional content gets two. You can never say that about a view um, DVD or Blu-ray. They're always, you know, really full, and that's what I want to see because I've seen the movie, and I, no doubt because I've bought the Blu-ray, I want to see it again in HD. But at the end, I want to go and watch all these documentaries. I want to know how he made that shit. I want to make films. I make films. I'm always interested in, you know, getting little tidbits here and there. So, yeah, I, I think they'll they'll keep doing that. The Red State Blu-ray's got tons on it as well, so... I've, I've seen Red State. I haven't watched the, uh, the Blu-ray yet for uh, Red State yet. Oh, it looks great. I mean, I, I remember seeing uh, Red State, and, and at the end I was like, wow, that really was damn good. <laughs> really different, and, you know, it's like, fuck the establishment, the movie, essentially. Because, like, you think it's going to go this way? Fuck you, that guy's dead. You think he's the main character? Fuck you, he's dead. Everyone can die. Um, but then when I... I watched it again on, on, on the, the, the iTunes download. But then when I got the Blu-ray, when it came out in Britain, I found myself... I thought, I'll put it on in the background while I, you know, sort of clean out my room and try and throw some stuff in the rub, in the garbage. And I found myself actually just sitting through it again and getting out, like, an even sort of more in-depth appreciation for it. It is a, an awesome film for so many reasons. 
Yeah, best definitely. And plus, like we watched it uh, for an early episode of the Evil Teddy Bear podcast. Um, I watched it over the weekend. Uh, for the week I was in New York, they were releasing it on like VOD for the first time. Just before it was going to hit DVD or hit theaters or whatever. Yeah. I watched it. It was my grandfather's birthday, and everybody was we were having a family barbecue. Watched, sat down in the den area, watched the whole movie, just tuned everybody out. And just uh, by the end of the movie, the whole the whole time my mouth was just open. I'm like, everybody just basically died or whatever. And the, my favorite story about Red State is the story that uh, Kevin tells about, you know, Malcolm saying with the, you know, telling about the horns and stuff that's playing at the end, saying that this is the end of the world basically happening. And like the sky breaks open, angels come out or something like that. Just start can I, can I just stop you there just for two seconds, mainly because my memory is so terrible and I, I don't see it now. Um, but yeah, I know where you're going with that, the, the post-apocalyptic ending. Yeah. Here's the thing, he, if he'd laced sort of like occasional paranormal things throughout the movie, when that happened, it wouldn't be ridiculous. You wouldn't need, need too much, but yeah, it would have been fantastic and they were going on about the budget would be too high. Here's the thing, I think that if he'd mentioned it to fans, I mean, he's, they've got like high profile fans. Yeah. They could maybe have got not the money, but the actual resources to pull that ending off. Don't get me wrong, I like the, 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 actual, the actual ending, but it would have been fantastic to see the angel and to see like, um, see them resemble Bartleby and Loki in their with their armor yeah. would have been awesome as well. That would have been a very that would have been an awesome cameo though, too if he got been in uh, da- in uh, Matt Damon to do that. Oh well, they're dead now, so <laughs> I know. Well, you could you, you could just get any you could get like you could probably just get Alan Rickman. Oh yeah, that would have been awesome. That's the Metatron, or 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 just like a random sort of frequent collaborator and just dress him up as an angel and just you know have the sword and, and whatnot. I think you should name this this episode. Kevin Smith colon we kiss your ass <laughs> Kevin Smith with pleasure <laughs> he- dot, dot, dot. yeah 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 oh that would be actually pretty funny and then you, uh, oh the website I forgot to talk to uh, talk about the website the website the uh, for the love of smod why don't you tell everybody about that oh yeah so we've got for the love of or if you go for the love com it'll take you there too and yeah. um, basically um, I just try, I'm still working on consolidating a lot of the fan stuff but I thought you know that could be the home for the movies it could also be the home for some of the music that we do and some artwork and I thought well why don't I just sort of contact people through DeviantArt through Twitter and try and you know get all the art in one place so people have a place to go if they want to contribute art or if they just want to you know spend a good few hours looking through all the, the images that people have done. So yeah, that's basically what, uh, how that was set up and it eventually became our, our sub-production company name. So there's Aldrichy uh, Pictures, which is you know the, the banner we do all our movies through, uh, Aldrichy being a, another sort of word for, for Edinburgh. Um, and then I thought, well, if we're going to do a lot of these smod films, which was never going to be the case, but because Babylon Begins was, was so successful on, on a small scale with the 30,000 views that we got, um, I decided that I was going to keep making them because it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people watch them and it, it can, I can be creative with it. Um, I'm not necessarily ripping anything off or riding on someone's coattails. As my, I think one of my teachers in college said that to my face. Um, and, and I thought, well, 
I'm not riding on anyone's coattails. I, it says it in the production company name. I'm doing this for the love of Smod. I'm doing it because I love, I love these these people. I love what they do, and I want to show them that how much I love them. And and the good thing is, you know, other people have appreciated it as well. I would never ride on Kevin's coattails. Um, so and I don't think you should drag me along anyway because I'm not really light. But um, yeah, so that that's basically turned the production company into and we've also got this could be the title of the the album which has all the music on it starting with Babylon we've also got um, uh, two songs that I've written for Get Credo which is this is ex- this exclusive by the way this, you're the first person I'm telling the title to drop in it here um, and obviously the plot as well I didn't want to give it away too, too soon just in case someone was trying to beat me to the punch yeah you know and, 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 and thought oh that's a great idea for a, for a for a film based on one of the stories I'll make it first you're an asshole haha <laughs> fuck you so um, yeah yeah uh, so you've got the two songs that we're writing. One of them is one of them is called Moves, and it is a sort of throwback rock ballad, and it's kind of sort of a sadder song. And that starts the film off. And then there's a song at the end called Reformed Man or Reformed Man. I, the pronunciation in the lyric is Reformed Man, so but it's called Reformed Man. Um, and yeah, he gets a happy ending, just like he did in real life. Jason Mewes gets a happy ending and, and get real. That's great. That's great. Um, okay, so now just move away from the Kevin Smith stuff a little bit. As a, I want to know, as a filmmaker yourself, what do you think about all the? Well, essentially, everybody you know asks somebody this, but what do you think about all the remakes that they're doing nowadays? I mean, it's kind of started off a little bit like here's a remake here and there, but now since big, like basically like every year we have a remake of something. Um, there's, there's always, there's always room. I mean, they, some of the best films ever made are remakes. I mean, after all, the Thing and the Flyer remakes. Um, and I think they're superior films. I can't watch the original, you know, the Thing from from Outer Space, where it was called. Um, the original Fly is funky and goofy. But yeah, I, oversaturated. I mean, they got to stick with what works. It, the the industry is a money making machine, after all, and they want. They want sure things. So they know people are going to go and see the remake of The Cry Kid because there's so many people out there that love the original. Now they can, you know, cover their asses with, with that. So if newer audience members don't go and see it, at least they know that the original fans will go and see it. And that's the thing. Nine times out of ten, everybody goes to see it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't mind uh, remakes. Uh, I've mentioned Cry Kid remake is one of the best, in my opinion. Um, Star Trek, which is both a remake and a prequel and a sequel. Uh, so I mean, there's there's a place for remakes. I mean, some movies are are good, but you watch them and, and you go, mm, the effects are crap, or the actors are a bit rubbish, or they didn't execute that very well, but it was a great point. So sometimes movies can benefit from a remake. I like the thought that they're going to be remaking *The Weapon*. Mm-hmm. Even though I love the original movies, um, it'll be great to just see another spin on it. It's essentially just another take. After all, you know the *Pride and Prejudice* and zombies. Everyone's looking forward to that being adapted into a movie because, again, just another take. They're throwing zombies into, into that story, and you know, it'd be great to see what sort of chaos ensues while the story has to sort of proceed along the similar lines of the original book. So, I mean, it, it happens everywhere, obviously in literature as well now. Yeah, everywhere. I like the remake of, uh, what was it, the, uh, um, 
it was that move that remake that Demi Tennant did recently. That's long ago. Uh, oh, Fright Night. Yes, Fright Night. I like that remake. I like I love the first two movies, Fright Night. Um, in Fright Night 2, which the second movie, though, kind of had me going, like, this is some. it looked like they were trying hard to be a little bit like the first one. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the remake of Fright Night. Um, the only thing that was good about the remake was David Tennant's fantastic performance. Yeah. To hear Doctor Who say fuck repeatedly is great. Like, the doctor said fuck! The doctor said fuck! <laughs> He's yelling in the in the theaters like the doctor said, "Fuck, sit down." Um, this is so good. Yeah, that's one of the only uh, good things about that movie, though. I, I'm looking forward to Total Recall as well. Oh yeah, I saw the trailer for that. It looked pretty badass. Did you ever see this? They, they actually put up a, a trailer uh, against the, a trailer uh, video. Someone did. I forgot who, but it's basically what they did was put the trailer up for the original uh, Total Recall. And put the trailer up for they cut like footage and stuff from the original, you know, Total Recall, and put it up against the new, the remake, Total Recall. So basically, they're saying the same lines in it the whole time. Yeah. And then I think at the top is like, do you really want to see a remake? Blah 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 or whatever. Someone was bitching about it, but I thought I think this remake's gonna be pretty good. Only yeah, th- I'm looking forward to it. The only thing that kind of pisses me off about it is like, I want it to be back on Mars. Yeah, they're not going to Mars in this one. That kind of sucks. Yeah. I think the uh, the guy from Breaking Bad and Malcolm in the Middle is gonna uh, is in it too. I want to say. Really? Yeah. As like John Cranston or whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was. A, he's a pretty good actor too. I think he he was recently in um, Bronk of Ages. Have you seen? Oh yeah, that's oh god, that film sucks so much ass. Good, I don't have to. <sighs> <laughs> I really, I can't stand these movies. Mamma Mia was the first, and I, I just thought, oh, so weak sauce, man. The thing that really annoys me about these these live shows that they're then turned into movies is you've got a big load of songs from a specific star or a specific genre, in the case of Rock of Ages, it's a genre of music. And all they do is they slap the songs together, try and fudge together a storyline in which, you know, all the lyrics make sense. Then they get boring car- cardboard cow characters to play the leads um, and you don't give a shit about them and nine times out of ten you, you're sitting there watching the film and this is the way it was with Rock of Ages all I was looking forward to was um, seeing Tom Cruise acting really weird or Russell Brand you know, kissing Alec Baldwin that, that, that's the only thing I was looking forward to just seeing those characters you really don't care about the leads in that and it's the same with Mamma Mia I didn't give a two shits about the stupid lead. Now, I like Amanda Seyfried and I like Dominic Cooper because, you know, he's Iron Man's dad, but I really could not stand them. They're so boring and dull and that's that's essentially every single one of these movies. A really poorly put together uh, couple with a crap story. The only reason to go and see it is just to, to hear the songs sung by, you know, a big group of, of uh, Broadway singers. That's the only, in my opinion. I mean, there's, there's probably good ones out there, but I mean, stick to like Wicked or Book of Mormon, something original or something, you know, in which you, you employ a little bit of creativity. Wicked, you know, they, they've, 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 they've taken something and essentially made, you know, uh, a secret origin and then put songs in it 
and made it funny. That's that, that's good. That's that's an interesting. And then with Book of Mormon, you've got something that's completely original and borderline fucked up with yeah. supposedly incredibly um, addicting, addictive uh, songs. I mean, I've heard a couple of them, and obviously Kevin's obsessed with them right now. But um, yeah, stick to that. Don't don't just be lazy and just do what the the, the, the Mamma Mia girl did. That was clever when she did it because she was the first person to do it, and no one believed in her. And you know, good on her. She, she made a go of it. And she's just you know, she deserves the money. But uh, stop, keep, stop doing that. I mean, where, where are we going to be? You know, in five years from now, we're going to have Never Say Never. You know, with the music of Justin Bieber. Oh God! Why would you fuck no? Why would you curse that on everybody? What's what's wrong? What's wrong? Sorry, I do. I mean, I'd happily go and see a Katy Perry version over that. I mean, I quite like Katy Perry, but no, never, never see never. This version of never see never, uh, never is enough. Fuck no, I don't want to see that. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of like Katy Perry. I mean, the only pretty much part I like about Katy Perry are her boobs. So that's that's pretty much it. I like her boobs. I think she's pretty. Yeah. Uh, I, I think she's ditzy, but but funny. I don't think she's a bitch. She didn't seem like a bitch. Gotcha. And her songs, she writes them, and they're kind of funky. And Snoop Dogg was in one. Yeah, yeah, what was it? Um, Cal- California Girls. Yeah. The U. <laughs> and that's the stamp of approval. If if, uh, if Snoop's in it, then there you go. Snoop says it's okay, fine, whatever. We'll take it. Well, I'll believe it. Um, oh, yeah, my I think the musicals I've kind of gotten, I kind of gotten to like that were from stage to screen would probably be uh, I, that movie Repo Jeanette, the genetic opera was a stage play at first so I thought that was actually a pretty good movie especially with Anthony Head as the lead in it. Wow. Yes. Have you ever seen that movie? No, no. I'll look up right now as you're talking about IMDb. Oh. Repo. The genetic opera. And then another one would be uh, Sweeney Todd. Now that- oh, I love, I love Sweeney Todd. That is that's gone. That's that's a really old. That's that wasn't even a musical at first at all. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that the, the original sort of uh, Penny Dreadful story. Yeah, definitely. And it's and I think the way that Tim Burton Tim Burton was definitely the guy to handle that because he's his work is very dark and kind of gothic a little bit there. Like that's the way like Batman kind of looked. Like the- yeah, it was. He did an ama- an astounding job putting that together, and and Johnny Depp, you know, again I applaud you. I mean, I'm getting kind of sick of their co- constant collaborations, but they knocked the ball out of the park with that. He was in the hair and the costume, and, and Anthony Head was in that as well. He had a small part in that. I'm just actually looking at photos from this. He looks pimp in this jacket, Anthony Head, and this mean mug face he's got. I've got to see this. Yeah, it's got um Anthony Head. It's got that chick, Alexa Vega, from yeah. iKids. Um, oh, hold on a second. Paris Hilton's in it. Oh, yeah, she's in it. She plays, she plays, she's okay in it, but, I mean, she basically plays herself in it a little bit. Yeah. Um, And she, I'm trying to think, who else? Who else big time is in it? I'm trying Paul, to think. Paul Servino is in it. He's in it. He, 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 he has a voice in that, sir. He has a yeah. voice in it. It's basically... One of the voices, one of the voices that are basically memorable, memorable in it. Now, the only the two songs that I recommend that are pretty much stuck in my head is a, a legal assassin, which is Anthony Head's solo kind of song in it, and then um, it's a song I think I think it's called "Remember Who You Are." I'm not sure. 
Um, but it's basically they have Anthony Head surrounded a little bit in a in a room, reminding him why he's the repo man. You know, I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna give away why he is the repo man because you know it you know, it's very it's a good it's a good flick. It has a good cult following too to it. Well, you've sold me. I'm on Amazon right now buying it. <laughs> oh. I'll see to check out. Uh, it sounds great. Looks great. I love Anthony Head. He's not in, in nearly enough films, TV, or shows uh, for my liking. Um, he's, he's so damn good. Yeah. I, 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 while I was buying this, I just noticed, you know, suggested suggested movies. Another great musical is one that I've rediscovered recently in the last couple of years. Little Shop of Horrors. Oh yes, definitely. That one. Especially- the one I'm, I think the one most people are used to is the Rick Moranis, Steve Martin, you know, one that yeah. they grew up with on TV, on, on uh, you know, like, I think it was like in the 80s that came out, I want to say. Yeah, it's fr- directed by uh, Yoda. Oh, Frank Oz. Yes. <laughs> I was about to say, Yoda, Yoda, really? Are we Star Wars? No. <laughs> Actually, last night after we, uh, actually, after we got off, you were telling me about some of the web shows you were into. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want me to talk about that again? Yeah, talk about it. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, the, the three main web, web shows that I like. Um, first, again, I, I hope you've checked this out since. If not, you should definitely do it. If you're a fan of The Dark Knight or any of the Nolan Bat- Batverse movies, check out the Joker blogs. So damn good. Takes place just after the Joker's caught at the end of the Dark Knight, and goes so far into the mythology to introduce. I mean, you see, you see uh, Jonathan Crane as, as Scarecrow. Um, you said, I think maybe you see Valcone, uh, but the, the main character that they focus on, apart from uh, the Joker himself, is the Joker psychiatrist, and that is uh, Harleen Quinzel, and everyone. That's, that's Harley Quinn and the actress they got I mean the actor they got to play the Joker is great he's one of the co-creators and he's, he's fantastic you'd think it was Heath a lot of the times but the actress they got to play Har- Harley is not only can she act but she's got like quite an, a nice voice and when you see her she is beautiful drop dead gorgeous the only thing is Thus far, and I think they've done about 30 episodes, you can see them on YouTube, and that's where they primarily put the episodes. You can get the DVD now as well, but um, so far in the first 30 episodes of season one, um, you haven't seen her make the transaction from uh, from from Harleen Quinzel into the costume. And actually, I would love to see that actress wear the costume. Yes. Yeah, so there's the Joker vlogs. Um, I, I kind of like watching um, the Nostalgia Craig. Which, of course, I told you, I'm a big fan of the stuff. Yeah, Nostalgia Critic is great, you know, because you can, you, can, you can watch bad movies and he cuts through all the shit to show you the really bad scenes yeah. and make fun of them. And you don't have to sit through the movie alone. <laughs> and they're good 20-minute videos, sometimes 30 minutes long. So, I mean, it's good, good, good use of your time. Uh, but the number one um, web web series that I love, and I have to say I love it on the same level, probably just below Kevin, um, is the Angry Video Game Nerd. And anything James Rob does, he's just phenomenally entertaining. Really, basically. I mean, he's definitely one of my favorites out there, and so is the Nostalgia Critic. Um, you know, James, it didn't... Uh, James Rolfe seems like he has his shit together. I definitely can't wait for the Angry Video Game Nerd movie that's coming out. Which I worked on 
to a, to a small extent. I worked on a lot of the street signs. Um, I, I, I distressed them digitally. Um, I also converted them into different file formats and added a few bits and pieces. Like, for instance, if you look close in one of the Nirvana, no, not Nirvana, Nevada, <laughs> Nevada signs, I think it is, there's a lot of stickers on it. And there's two stickers for the production companies. You've got the For the Love of Smod uh, logo, and you've also got the old Ricky Media and old Ricky Pictures logos as well. I think my face as well. So um, I can't wait to see the movie just to see the work it is. It's a pain bastard that I am. You're just trying to just plug everything in everything you do, aren't you? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> um, you whore. Um, I did watch the Joker blogs. I, I finished it too last night. Really? Yes. Oh, let's talk. Let's let's roll, sir. Okay. Go. Shoot. Okay. First off, I thought it was brilliant. Definitely. I like the whole setup he has of it. Like, she's there to do therapy on him, but then he basically kind of gets the idea. It's like, hmm, let's do a reverse therapy on her, basically. You know? And that's what you're, le- that's what you're basically lead to believe what's going on you know yeah. which i love i love that whole setup you know and you can kind of tell that towards the end you know joker in his own sick way does love harley quinn which of course if you've seen batman any of the bats in any iteration of course he loves her but he shows her love in a different kind of way you yeah know? um the makeup the costumes and all that that looked awesome. I did have a little issue with the way that the, uh, I guess since it's in a Dark Knight universe a little bit, did have an issue with the way that Batman looked about it, but he's definitely not the main character in it at all. Yeah. You know, he makes like an appearance, which is actually pretty good. Um, my favorite episode would have to be, uh, what was it? But no, my favorite few episodes would have to be the whole, all the way the lead up. The last few episodes lead up to the wedding. The yeah. Quinn wedding. Which is... Also, you know, a pretty good episode, and it's heartbreaking because you see this this woman not only you know spoilers if you haven't seen it, not only lose her you know fiance, her soon to be husband, to a, a madman, but you start seeing her kind of like you know come out a little bit, just heartbreaking yeah. it, just a little. She she breaks. She starts. She's starting to break away. I mean, it's, it, they've been planting the seeds since episode one, but it's a realistic breakdown of... It's not like, you know, overnight she... It's, it's not like the moment in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin suddenly turns against the Jedi Council and becomes Darth, Darth Vader. Um, it's a slow burn, but yeah, I mean, I, there was a trailer for season two, which was essentially Harlequin or Harley slack, sitting on her bed in her wedding dress, makeup down her eyes and you can see you can see a pair of green shoes jumping on the bed and like between her legs and all these joker cards coming down and the joker is jumping on the bed maniacally laughing and it's a great image and it just it just pans down and it suddenly I think it suddenly stops on Harleen and she just flashes a look at the camera and that's it just cuts I think it's a promo for season two um so well done and you know I give them credit now what I can't wait for is to see what they do with Dark to Arkham. Now, I watched the further evidence those that they did. Mm-hmm. They're actually pretty, like, a lot, you know, it kind of fills in the blanks a little bit, too. You know, I'm, pre- I'm guessing if you really wanted to, you could probably download those episodes and cut them together if you wanted to, just like yeah. for your own amusement. 
which uh, some people actually do that for some YouTube shows now. I know they do that for uh, Dragon Ball Z. Of Pitch. They kind yeah. of so it's together. Uh, which, you know, still, I have to say that's one, that's, that's there. But I, the way that they're kind of having a Dr. Arkham now after kind of, uh, you know, his wife being in an accident, spoilers. Um, God, I guess I got used to saying spoilers thanks to that show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you see him kind of just going down a dark path, you know? And yeah. if you haven't seen a show before, go check it out. It's called The Joker Blogs. Yeah. So damn good. If you like, if you like the Joker at all or Batman, but if you especially like Heath Ledger's Joker and the Christopher Nolan Batverse, check it out. So fucking good. It's like literally something that they could have put. Like if they had made that and Christopher Nolan found that out, he could have talked. And he's like eventually talks to the guy and be like, I'm gonna, I want to put this as features or something on the new Dark Knight, you know, Blu-ray or something like that. Because they, yeah. they literally. Basically, they literally connect to the movie. Like he just, you know, it, I do like the fact that he they do don him in the costume for a little bit in that, um, in the uh, the Dark Knight costume. And it, um, and I think at some point, Craven, uh, the guy who plays the Scarecrow, is donning the mask for like a second or two in one of the. Yeah. So, and then you can also see how much you know how comfortable. Joker is with Harleen, as he calls her, in it, and um, and how he doesn't really want to talk to anybody else too much. You know, he see what he did to Doctor Strange, you know, <laughs> and Hugo Strange. If, if you guys don't know who he is, and look it up, um, and you can kind of see that you know Harley, he basically has Harley in his heart the whole time. Um, what's funny is like last night we were talking a little bit about Indiana Jones too. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about I think you said didn't you say you had no problems that much with the uh the no I, I liked Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull I really did um and when I saw the I I just I see a lot of movies as 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 a movie I see them for what they are mm-hmm. and and I must have just went in with the opinions that this is Indiana Jones. Let's not take it too seriously. Uh, I had no problems with the aliens. Nuke the fridge was silly, but you know, I'm not going to go on a soapbox about it and be like, oh, it's ridiculous. Because again, the ethos of Indiana Jones and the mythology, I, I, I really is a fucking film, guys. So, I mean, when, when that happened, I was like, yeah, that's ridiculous, but again, I'm not going to make too big of a stink out of it. I really liked it. I like Shea LaBeouf. I like that he almost uh, took the mantle, but Harrison wasn't ready to hand over the hat and put it on his head. I had no problems with it. I've got it on Blu-ray for fuck's sake. <laughs> definitely have no problem with it. Um, last night on Nostalgia, I guess today, um, on a Nostalgia Critic, that he put up an episode where it was... <clears throat> He was basically reviewing Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, and he says it's not you know Chris the yeah, everybody you know talks about the 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 uh, the Kingdom of Crystal Skulls or whatever, and but they forget that the Temple of Doom was pretty much kind of borderline that same thing, you know. Yeah. He kind of went on a little rant saying that. <laughs> It's a it's a little campy or whatever. I don't know. The whole episode is actually pretty good. You know, they they do a, he does a crossover with the uh, 
a cinema snob. I don't know if you've heard of him before. I haven't, no. no. But he's usually like, he does another movie reviewer. You know, he does, he uh, does, does technically, he does a lot of crossovers on, on his uh, thing, but I mean, on his website, but I mean, that's his website. He, he can do as many crossovers as he wants, you know? Um, Cinema Snob is also in a few of the, uh, like, you know, Doug does these anniversary edition uh, features too. So where he plays in a soundtrack critic and they go on like these adventures or something like that. Yeah. And so like the first one was not, uh, of uh, Kick Assia or something like that. Yeah, Kick Assia, yeah. That was actually pretty good. I do like the fact that he did the, like a lot of different, you know, everybody. I do like the fact, I think James makes uh, an appearance as Board James. Yeah, I think so. I think I read that on the credits on imdb yeah yeah and then the other one was um knights of suburbia or something like that which was actually pretty good it did kind of make me cry though spoilers when mati died mati from you know captain planet (laughs) (laughs) and they 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 killed him off but one of the funny things in is cinema snobs dress up like they all dress up as characters you know for this role-playing game to find like the ultimate such and such and cinema snob does take something out from uh, temple of doom where he's on this toy like playground bridge and he's like oh shiba to hell and then hits it with the uh this plastic sword and then he just kind of smiles back or whatever he's like because ah. you know it's he, he he took it a little too far or something like that. yeah <laughs> um yeah that was actually that's, that's actually something it's it's funny that nowadays a lot of like back in the 90s we couldn't really do as much as we could now you know oh, absolutely yeah i mean we've got the world at our fingertips now yeah definitely it's like a lot of a lot of the stuff we had to kind of like like we can make a movie and we can make make it on a big vhs tape with this big ass camera <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know we can't really pretty much just gonna show it to our friends or whatever you know? Yeah, you know, now you can show the world. You don't have to. You don't have to get a group of friends in the room and you know, sit and watch it. Um, you can you can put put on Facebook. You can tweet it. You can you can get your you can get your all time idol to be in the fucking thing. Yeah, definitely. You're a prime example. You got your idol to kind of be in it. You absolutely. Um, I'm pretty sure you're gonna try to get them to be in a few other stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. The, the, we're 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 gonna give him a break with Get Greedo, mainly because there's nothing for him to do in Get Greedo. But um, if if it's not too ridiculous for Babylon Returns, um, I actually want to schedule a trip for the three of us to Los Angeles as part of the budget, um, film some on location stuff with the nights running through Los Angeles. Um, but we also want to try and <laughs> physically get Kevin and Ralph in it. While we're there for that that one week period, you know, sort of try and schedule it around their busy schedule so that we can have them appear physically in it. I mean, it's not so ridiculous. We got them not only to be in the movie as voices and to promote the movie, but we also got them to, you know, essentially conduct the choir for them to, they got the audience to participate in recording, you know, a, a spot for the, the soundtrack, which was the Matalo, Matalo, Kev, 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 Matalo, Matalo, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph. I mean, the things they did, um, the world, the world is not enough. 
people say, why do that? Don't ask that. That's ridiculous. No one will agree to that. Now, those people could just go fuck themselves because accidentally I've proven that you can be, you know, a little bit outlandish and if you, you don't ask, you don't get. And, and we were lucky to get, so I'm not going to hold back. If they say no, or if anybody says no, at least we tried. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you could have said no to this, definitely, if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, I would never say no to this. No, no way. This is a uh, good fun. But, I mean, it's definitely, like, you got to kind of look at the world. Like, everybody's, you know, the world is small, basically, to me. You know, it's kind of small. There's much, there's probably some more crap out there in the universe or whatever. And you can't, these people may be celebrities or whatever and, like, whatever, but they're still human. They're still, you know, they still basically live in the same planet as you. Don't, don't set yourself short, basically. You know? Absolutely. I mean, they, they put their, their pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. Yeah. You know? They like, they, I mean, especially in like, Kevin Smith is actually the one, definitely been an, an inspiration to me because he doesn't really hold anything back at all. Like, a lot of celebrities try to hide shit or whatever. Oh, yeah, he's so candid. I mean, he, he argues that he's m- more candid now than ever because he's on his way out. But he's always, always been candid. Yeah. And the thing that, that I really respected that he did in, um, uh, what was it? Um, too Far for 40. Yes. That I totally respected is he didn't get on the stage when someone asked him and go, oh, Bruce Willis, he's bald, fuck, he's an asshole, I hate him. He got on the stage, he told the story of working with Bruce Willis, he told, he told the audience what it was like, and he went, you be the judge. Definitely. I mean, he... Definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, on when he was working with... Uh, for those who don't know the story, when he was kind of working with him on uh, Live Free and Die Hard, what was it, like, for, like, a week, I think? Yeah. You know, Bruce Willis was, like, the nice guy a little bit or whatever, and Linz Wiseman said that he basically looked like he's been in war or whatever. Um, but then Kev, of course, had a chance to direct Bruce Willis. And, of course, Bruce Willis is used to directors doing it one way. Kevin Smith has his own way of directing, basically, you know? And I think everybody has their own way of directing. But, like, this just wasn't the way that Bruce Willis wanted him to kind of direct, you know? The thing, the thing that I got from it was, it really confuses me because you see Bruce Willis in like Pulp Fiction, and he took a pay cut to do it, and it looked like he did it for the passion. But then you hear the stories of how he acted on Cop Out, and you think, why the fuck did you agree to do this? He was collecting a check. He was just paying the bills. He was there for money. But to be that rude, and I don't know what he thought he was doing. To, I mean, to treat a person like that. And he treats loads of people like that. I've heard stories, countless stories. I've read stories of, of, of how, he, how he treats people like utter garbage. Now, I mean, I've always had a soft place in, in my heart for, for Bruce Willis because, you know, he was in Die Hard, for fuck's sake. Um, but, you know, he's a bitter man. And it really put me off him. And that's the thing that I, when they was telling the story... Um, Kevin knew he was on his way out. He knew that he was only going to make a couple more movies. He knew he was never going to work for the studio. I'm surprised he didn't just turn to Bruce Willis and go, oh, listen, boss, uh, you're fucking fired. Get the fuck off my set. 
and just put, I don't know, fucking Ben Affleck in that role. <laughs> or, or anybody. I mean, it's he's Bruce Willis, and he's good at being Bruce Willis. But, you know, I've got some news for you. You're just good at being Bruce Willis. You never really you never really do anything else. You never step out of, 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 the, of the shoes of being Bruce Willis. And that's what you're known for, and that's what everybody loves you for. Fuck, you don't respect it. You get annoyed when people shout, oh, fucking John McClane or whatever, uh, or David Addison. But that's what you're known for. Deal with it or move the fuck on. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to what Chris says, people. Yeah, no, I, I'm just spraffing a little shit. No, no one gives a shit what I think. But <laughs> it, it really, really bothered me. I mean, it, it was like... I, I really... I would, I would... In my... In my in my head I would have I loved I like playing out the, the reality where Kevin's like yeah you know what just get the fuck off my set you're fucking fired mm-hmm. and then you know he replaces him or doesn't replace him because if, if he had had the balls to do that now I'm not saying he has no balls I think he had more balls continuing to direct that difficult motherfucker and completed the movie and you know chucked out you know a, a really kind of good sort of throwback to the to the 80s to leave the weapon and whatnot. Um if he had, you know, fired him on the spot, I think Bruce would have probably come back with his tail between his legs, eventually seeing, you know, the error of his ways. But, you know, when no- when nobody is around to rub your nose in your own mess, you rarely realise you're being a prick. So unless somebody takes him down a peg, which I don't think, you know, Kevin really needs that in his life to be that guy, but unless you've been taken down a peg, you... you, you you're, you're too high on your tower. You're never going to be able to see the shit that you're doing unless, you know, someone pulls you aside, shows you the video monitor and goes, see that? See how unreasonable you are? You're a prick. And maybe they'll sort of reevaluate the way they act, the way they treat people. Yeah, definitely. The other person who kind of shocked me, it wasn't the fact that, you know, on set that he did anything or whatever. And he's still kind of one of my favorite actors, Mel Gibson. Of course, you know, lethal weapon, you know, definitely one of my favorite first two and the fourth one are my favorite third one everybody can pretty much tell is a paycheck movie i like i watched lethal weapon 3 a couple of days ago i like it really? I, yeah I, I like the fact that i love the bit where leo is is, is showing the house to you know the, the prospective uh you know uh, buyers mm-hmm. and he goes through all the shit that's happened throughout the the, the series you know the drug dealer came to the door you know gary gary music uh, and the, the bomb on the toilet and everything. I was like, that's fantastic. I love it when they reference previous movies. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's probably the weakest, but I, I, I think they're. I think they're. A, it's a solid four, 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 solid quadrilogy. I really do like them. In fact, I'm using. Uh, I've taken out Lethal Weapon three and Lethal Weapon four at the box set and wedged a mic in between Lethal Weapon one and two in order to keep it standing up. So I don't have my mic stand with me. So I, I love that. I love the movies. Yeah, I like them too. But and I, and I like I love Mel Gibson. Yeah, I mean, fair, fair enough. He said he said some anti-Semitic things when he was drunk. You know, he he had a massive argument with his girlfriend, and was he? She pushed her and tried to break down the door and all that when he was drunk. Here's the thing: he's a cagey old dude who has an alcohol problem. He's still Mel Gibson. Yeah. You know, he's 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 he's. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't say. This is a, probably a bad uh, analogy, but you know, your your dad suddenly does, d- develops a drinking problem, and he might chuck you about, or maybe he shoves your mum, 
and 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 that's that's terrible in that. But at a certain point, you have to forgive him. And you have to look at the facts. He's an alcoholic. You say and do things that you don't mean when you're drunk, and that's the thing. I'll, I'll unless he goes and shoots someone or does something really hateful when he's sober. I'm not going to give up on Mel Gibson, and I, I hope he gets the second win. Yeah, me too, definitely. I mean, it did kind of make me upset when he said, you know, we found out he said some of that stuff or whatever. But, I mean, what haven't any of us done that's dumb as hell when we're drunk or whatever, you know? Absolutely. He's, uh, sorry, <laughs> just yawning. Um, absolutely. He's, um, what, I mean, you're not, you don't, he, I mean, he lets people away with so much in Hollywood. Why can't we give him a pass? I mean, I think the reason that he was fired from the Hangover Part Two was because the cast were all the cast were all up in arms about his, his behaviour. I mean, fuck you! Uh, you try to tell me that you've never done anything bad in your life that you that you can jump on your high horse and condemn a man who's, who's achieved more than you've ever achieved who's done more I mean I, I, I remember doing a lot for charity um, give the guy a fucking break he's human I mean I don't I truly truly don't think he's anti-semitic I don't I don't think he's racist I mean one of his closest friends is Danny Glover the guy is black <laughs> it's like I got a black man as a friend how can <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know you could, you could jump to that stereotype yeah I've got a black guy as a friend but, but I, 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 don't, I truly, really don't think that he's a hateful person. I just think that perhaps maybe he hates himself. And maybe that's why he drinks. And come on, Mel. We all love you. Well, a lot of people love you. <laughs> you don't have to feel hated. Do fucking Leave the Weapon 5. Do Mad Max 4. Do original shit. I don't give a fuck. Direct again. You're insanely talented. Please. What did I see? I thought he was directing something. He was, uh, they said something about him. I think I'm babbling about him directing. Oh, yeah, he was trying to direct a, a story about. Jewish Holocaust Holocaust survivors or something like I'll look at, I'm looking them up literally just now um, yeah bear with me uh, right Mel Gibson the first uh, actor producer director okay so I mean he's, he's, he's he did the beaver obviously um, he's obviously he did, he's got a movie coming out called How I Spent My Summer Vacation but he's called he's just credited as a driver I don't think he's he's doing very much um Machete Kills is probably his biggest role in his film and I just know for next year's release. Have you saw the first you saw the first movie Machete? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. What do you think about the over top what do you think about that movie? Like a, that the type of movie like that. Like I like movies that are basically kind of like over the top a little bit like that. Like it, they did that for um what was that? Greyhouse, the two movies that did for Grapple. Well it's it's a product of Greyhouse, really, to be fair. I uh I thought that Machete was pure Robert Rodriguez. Yes. It was Robert. It's what it's 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 what you want from Robert Rodriguez. It's incredibly awesome. If you like Robert Rodriguez, it's a it's a home run. It's really good. I just like watching the scenes from like you know they did the trailer for Machete, you know in the grindhouse scene, you know. The, the movies, I guess, when the theater when they had the theatrical run, yeah, they did the uh, the trailers for him. You see the machete, you know, the machete trailer. I do like the fact that you get to see some of that, some of those stuff that they showed in that trailer, like in the movie, in the actual movie. I mean, pro- you know, 
they probably had to refilm some of that stuff whatever. One scene I did not like though was the fact that he slept with the uh, the mother and you know the daughter you know played by Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. It just looked so fake. It just looked really really fake. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing though. Um, I think the. The first person to to realize how ridiculous those movies are is Rodriguez himself. He writes them to be, you know, what exploitation. It's it is the perfect example of the genre, and it's a perfect example of the of the overall genre of exploitation. If you want to see guns, you want to see a ridiculous hero that can do ridiculous things. You watch that. That's the shit you want to watch. It's like a B movie that receives the budget of an A movie. And Rodriguez is a is a one man army when it comes to filmmaking. He shoots it, he directs it, nine times out of ten he writes it, um, he edits it, he does the fucking music. He shoots all the green screen stuff in his own green screen studio just adjacent to his own house. It's attached. It used to be the garage, I think. I mean, the guy the guy could churn out a movie a year, but you know he's obviously dedicated to his, his family, his kids, and, and, and all that. But um, I. Uh, I can't get enough of, of when he's being pure Rodriguez. I'm not a fan of, of the Spy Kids movies. Obviously, he doesn't make those movies for me, and he's made like four of them. So obviously, there's a market for it. But um, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing more Machete, um, and I can't wait to see Sin City now that they've announced the full title of Sin City 2, and the some of the cast members are going to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Isn't Johnny Depp supposed to be in it too? Like, um, um, yeah, that was that was. Mentioned. I'm just checking just now to see what the, the deets are for that, but um, I'm trying to see who's still on the cast list. Because, yeah, I mean, a lot of names got thrown into that cast list. Like, they are talking about Bruce Willis coming back, but, I mean, didn't he die? Yeah, but they're going to sort of overlap the stories. I mean, um, this one, A Dame to Kill For, is set, I think it takes place before Dwight looks like Owen Wilson. Uh, Owen, Owen, um... Clive Owen, sorry, because prior to that he was bald and had a different face, but he got a, a, a facelift and you know, grew his hair and things like that to look different. Um, so it's set just before that. The only three cast members that are confirmed are Jessica Alba as Nancy, Mickey Rourke as Marv, and Michael Madsen as Bob. So if Bob's in it, surely Hargan's got to be in it. And oh, Devin Ioki um, is, is rumored to be coming back as me. But um, it's in pre-production. It's his next film after Machete. Yeah, I think my favorite story has to be with the uh, the one where the Elijah Elijah Wood was the uh, the bad guy in that one. Oh, he was so damn good. Wasn't he? Yeah, it's just I forgot his name in it, but I mean, it's just the way he Kev- Kevin. Yes, Kevin. Because he had the, the glasses just all blacked out. It's basically straight from the comic book. Oh yeah, he he he, he is a genius. He made, I mean, he kind of blended Tim Burton with with um, with Chris Nolan. He he made it like sinister and, and and serious to the extent that that Nolan did it. But he made it physically look like a comic book better than Tim Burton ever did not 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 because he's better but because Tim Burton didn't want to make it look like a literal translation whereas he's, he's essentially used the comic book as the storyboards and the dialogue as the fucking dialogue yeah and definitely I think when it comes to comic book movies though too is like now nowadays they're opening up because I mean with most comic book movies you would only think it's set in one universe like 
the Batman movies, of course, would be set in that Tim, Bur- Tim uh, Burton universe and can kind of continue on Tim Burton universe with like, like Schumacher doing, you know, those movies or whatever. Yeah. And of course, you know, Nolan has his own little closed universe for Batman. But like, say, like, like Iron Man, Iron Man 2, the Hulk, Incredible Hulk, I mean, not the, not the crappy Hulk movie that I fell asleep at that I'm in a movie theater. Um, you know, all those Marvel movies are now starting to kind of open up. And now, you know, DC is definitely going to start trying to do that, too. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I would I'd probably say that I would lean towards DC because mm-hmm. uh, they've got Batman and Superman, too, my favorite of, of, of all time. Um I th- they own the Green Hornet as well, from what I recall. But uh, they also own like sort of sub companies that also own, you know, uh, uh, other other comic, smaller comic books and things like that. Um, from what I recall, don't they own the Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, um, I think so. If IDW is an extension of them, then I think they do. Yeah, um, but then you've got things like uh, Marvel who own, you know, they they've got some sort of dark horse properties. I mean, they they've got uh, Blade. That's where Blade came from. The the Tomb of Dracula and Blade turns up in that, and then he obviously makes his transition into into Spider Man because he has to fight that. I can't remember his name, but that vampire with the suction cups for hands, and he like sucks out the energy that way. I think. That, that was you can watch the old cartoon from the nineties and blades in it. Excuse me. Yeah. That's not around anymore, dude. That just made me feel very old too. That's a great show. I, I, I grew up with that and, and Batman and those were two shows that I loved. Yeah. Sp- Batman the animated series. Spider Man the animated series from Fox Kids kinda pissed me off because of the ending of that. The, How did it end? Yeah, the final episode that they had was him just going off to look for Mary Jane. That's it. You don't have to find out if he finds her or anything. I just leave it open. But then they have another series that they do probably about two a year or two after that called Spider-Man Unlimited, which is him basically chasing after, like, Carnage and Venom and... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I watched a bit of that. That was, quite, that was quite good. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, I mean, I... I it, I didn't. I like the stories. I didn't wait. I didn't really like the way it looked. That much, though. Mm. You know, it, it, it just didn't look like the other Spider-Man. You know, and I guess I, back then I was kind of used to just one-way Spider-Man looking or whatever. And then, of course, that's when I actually found out first about Spider-Man. Anyways, through Fox Kids, <laughs> and then he became my first comic book character ever reading not Batman not Superman like you know most people or whatever but Spider-Man Spider-Man was the first first comic book three and I remember I remember it because it was a Carnage story and Carnage had trapped uh what's the black guy's name in it Robinson something Robbie Robinson I think or something I have no idea yes um, he trapped his wife somewhere in an elevator and you end up finding her just bleeding and him holding him, and like Robin, Robbie holding her, or whatever. But of course, this is like when Spider-Man's looking for Carnage or something. So yeah. it was definitely one of those, one of those, you know, things that kind of stick to your mind. It was also, it was also the other thing. That's why I mean, that's also why I kind of got excited about the Spider-Man movies because you've never seen Spider-Man in a movie. I mean, you might have seen him in like an old cartoon, or they might have done a Spider-Man. 
back. They did do really shitty. Um, like I remember seeing the crappy Spider-Man movies from like the seventies or something like that, where he's literally just on a wire and they're dangling him over New York. It's, they're not very really good. I, I've, got, I've got the memory of seeing that. I tried to track it down just so I can rewatch it, but I think there is a live action one yet. Yeah, and you know those were definitely would be hard to do back then. Now oh, yeah. it's. Nowadays, you got something like the Amazing Spider-Man, and it's in 3D. You know. Oh yeah, the, the Amazing Spider-Man gets it closer. It gets it right, in my opinion. Yeah. Nothing against Sam Raimi, but I don't know. There was something dull about those movies. I liked Spider-Man 2, though. I thought very epic in points. I love Doc Ock. I think they did him fantastic, uh, fantastically. But um, yeah, there was something about. And I, I liked. <laughs> I like Spider-Man 3 for Topher Grace as, as, as Eddie Brock and Venom, and I'm so excited to see Venom. And they did him well. He looked like Venom. I don't know. That Venom kind of had me kind of going, like, iffy, because he looked very lizardish. He looked very, like, a reptile to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Of course, Eddie Brock, you used to, I guess I'm used to seeing Eddie Brock being all buff and whatnot, you know? Just, he's a built guy. Built talking yeah. guy. You know, but I mean, I guess if you need somebody to kind of cut, you know, be the opposite of Spider-Man, you know, who basically talks a lot of shit or whatever to his, you know, enemies, it would be, I guess that Topher Grace would be like either the either good Spider-Man or good Venom, you know. Yeah. But. Um, that was, I think he had, ju- when he did that, he was just getting off of that 70s show, too. I don't know if you've seen that show before. Yeah, I like that show. I really do. It's like a kind of de- a deviant version of, of Friends. The thing that really pisses me off about Friends is they're always so understanding. And fair enough, they have a laugh at one another, but they're always like, oh, you okay? You know, I understand. It just happened to me. Whereas in that 70s show, nine times out of ten, they're just mean to, you, to one another. And, you know, they, they rip the piss out of each other. I like that. Yeah, I, I don't like being mollycoddled. Yeah, because that's how people are when they're growing up. They're ripping on their friends half the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're basically calling your friends on bullshit half the time. I still call my friends on bullshit. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, I don't know. You want to keep going? You good? You good to go? I'll probably have to, to knock it on the head really soon, uh, mainly because I'm I'm, I'm absolutely, as they say, shattered right now. But um, I definitely want to do this again, sir. It's, it's, you know, I do. I'd happily do this every day. Awesome. <laughs> if there's there a market for it, yeah. but there probably would be. Don't say ever. Um. All right. Well, then I'm gonna let you go to bed, and yeah. I'm gonna go do. I'm gonna go work on this. Work on this a little bit. Um, thank you for coming on the show. This uh, everybody, uh, why don't you? Uh, I guess you changed your Twitter name last night too. So why don't you throw that out for? I did. Um, the, my new Twitter name is for the number four. Uh, the love of small one word, or you can type in floss f l o s productions. That's all one word as well. Find me uh, using either one of those. Um, yep, yeah, that's the, the best way to contact me. Or you can just go directly to the website and go to www. For the love of small, or one word, obviously, but no dashes or spaces. Dot org. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been the Evil Teddy Bear Podcast. I'm Corey, and this was uh, Christopher Downey. And uh, thanks for coming on, sir. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Hey, folks.
It's time to babble the fuck on. Only on this occasion, our heroes will be entering you through our all-hearing ear pussies. Audible awesomeness directly to your purple gooey nerve center. Again, we find ourselves in the whimsical realm of Hollywood, California, in the presence of the Knights of Babylon. Hold on a second there, sir, dude. We no longer wear the mantle of the Knights of Babylon. Uh, really? Yeah, I mean, come on. Brown slam and Hollywood trash. It's way too much work for a lazy fat guy like me. Right. Well, uh, should I start over? Sure, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Starting over. <clears throat> Once again, we find ourselves in the presence of the man of 28 voices and the director of Jersey Girl. How dare you, sir? You're a real asshole, you know that? As the sun begins to dip down behind the jaded lettering nestled upon the Hollywood Hills, Kevin and Ralph deliberate over the title of their newest venture, an hour-and-a-half slam fest disguised as a show business podcast. So, Ralph. Yes, Kevin? Any ideas? I don't know. Why don't we call it Tinseltown Tits? How about that? Gotta be something clever and simple like Hollywood Babylon or something. That's pretty good. You think? Little did Kevin know that when he opened the door, he would be sealing his and Ralph's fate. For the creature behind the glass was none other than... Have a nice day. Uh, aren't you supposed to say that after you sell me cookies, kid? I ain't selling cookies. I hate cookies. I hate you. Fuck off. Really? You're a Cub Scout knocking at my door. This is just a glamour, Mr. Smith. Also, I'm not a kid, fucker. Oh, sorry, man. Are you sick or something? You got that Ralph Macchio disease? Hey, where the hell you go? Forget him. We got a show to plan. Hey, what'd you think about doing the show live? That could work. That's a nice place you got here. Nah, I'm just kidding. Looks like shit. Oh, man, how the hell did you get in here? I own the universe, motherfuckers. I can do whatever I want. If I want to wear white on Labor Day, I'll do it. Fuck it. I'll fuck Mrs. White while Mr. White watches. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it, cocksuckers. All right, listen here, you little fuck bucket. I'm not happy with the setup you got here, Mr. Smith. As if I give a shit what you think about my house. Who the fuck are you, man? Have a nice day. What just happened? Did he change the room? Shit looks different. At that moment, something happened. Something that would usually seem very normal. Kevin's wife entered the room. Kev, where the fuck have you been? Oh, Jennifer, what's with the freaky get-up? What the fuck are you talking about? Dude, this doesn't feel right. Something is seriously wrong. As the chaos began to escalate closer and closer towards fever pitch, a scantily clad Megan Quinlan appeared behind. Fuck, this is getting complicated. You guys aren't even dressed. Come on, assholes. Get the let out. Goofball's on his way. Who the fuck is Goofball, and what the hell are you wearing, Megan? You really think that's appropriate attire for the workplace? I don't work for you, asshole. I'm your sidekick, Harley Quinlan. Will someone tell me what the hell is going on? Ain't you figured it out yet, Mr. Gammon, you dumb son of a bitch? You, what did you do? <laughs> I've made some alterations. I've placed you in this universe, and your counterparts from here... In your universe, motherfuckers. An alternate universe. How fucking dare you, piece of shit, stinking thunder cunt! Put it back. Put it back right now. No. I prefer it this way. It's more interesting. Have a nice day, fuckers. Tits. 
Could this be the end for Sir Dare and the Red Bear? Kevin and Ralph. Kevin and Ralph. Yes, Kevin and Ralph. Or will they live to fight another day? Tune in for the next exciting chapter to find out. Battle the fuck off, everybody. Come along in battle Come along in battle You've been listening to Babylon Beyond. Featuring the vocal talents of Kyle Hebert, Jack Fox, Mark Frost, Christopher Downey, and Rachel Brown. Written and directed by Christopher Downey and produced by Michael Poplowski. Original score by Michael Poplowski. A For the Love of Smod production in association with Albrecht Media.